The Word of God speaks and encourages you this morning to realize that you are not a slave to your sin, to realize that you are not unfortunately in this world, but that he has purpose for your life and that you have rights as sons and daughters of Christ, that you have the authority to speak into your own life and say, I will not go this way. I will go this way in Jesus' name. The word of God speaks to you, not me. And he has the authority and he has given it to you as his sons and his daughters to engage in life in a victorious and powerful way. All we have to do is receive that truth and realize who we are. So Father, I just pray this morning that we would realize who we are. That we are not just small pieces, not just extras in the movie. But God, we are the main actors in life. We are the ones that you have chosen to prosper and to be victorious in these days, Lord God. We are your sons and we are your daughters and we walk in the mantle of the Most High God. We sin on the right side of you. What do we have to fear? If our God is for us, then who can be against us? That is who you are. That is who we are. May we walk in that truth and walk in boldly into the next day, into the next week, into the next month, into the next year, into the next moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If I'm a little excited this morning, too bad. I'm allowed to be. I'm allowed to be excited about the most extraordinary thing in the world. And if I'm not allowed to be excited, then I don't want to be a Christian. If we're not allowed to be happy and joyful and confident about serving God and him being our father and having the rights of sons and daughters, then, then there's nothing to be happy about. Like, this is it. Now, it doesn't mean that you're all going to act like me. It doesn't mean you're all going to be loud like me or stomp on the stage with a guitar. But it does mean that you can walk boldly. It does mean that you can have boldness. That you don't have to walk around with your head to the ground thinking, woe is me, I'm doing it wrong again, or I blew it again, or this is what's wrong with me. But a reality that the person who walks behind you and in front of you and beside you is Jesus. That's who we're partnering in life with.
I'm not amazing, but he is, and he's right there. So I just encourage you this morning, I, I know that it's Father's Day, and, and um, I want us to make sure that we have, you know, time to eat, and I understand that. Uh, if you're not, uh, my computer here is not functioning the way I want it to. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, God's authority in our life. And I've been talking, uh, I don't know about you, but I've been, started coaching, started coaching uh, hockey teams. One day, four or five years ago, they said to me, listen, we don't have anybody to coach your team, and so we need you to be the coach. Uh, because there's nobody else. And the guy who was your assistant is coaching three other teams. And so I'm like, okay. And I didn't think, I didn't think that I could, uh, I didn't think I could necessarily do it, but uh, I gave it a go. And honestly, now, now that I've tried to be a coach, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of wrecked. I'm kind of wrecked because now I think to myself, whenever my kids are on some teams, I'm thinking, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> You're not coaching my kids properly because I've been a coach and I know how to do it. And so this, and so the problem is, is that now I'm wrecked because if I'm sitting on the sidelines and there's someone who's coaching my son, or obviously my son, uh, one of my sons, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? How come you're doing that? Why not? Why are you not in control? How are you not like, like doing what I think you should do? Judah this afternoon, he, he, he'll play, plays ball hockey, and, his, and it, I'm, the guy who's coaching is, is just someone who was like me four years ago. It was like they didn't have anybody to coach, and he's just like, yes, uh, sure, I'll, I'll go and help him coach, but then I get to, uh, then I get, and I watch, I watch their game, and I watch their team, and, and there's no structure to their line changes. There's, they're not telling them where to stand on the floor. They're, they're, they're not telling them how to do anything. He's just kind of hurting the kids in and out. And I'm like, what are you doing? Someone has to be in charge. Someone's got to corral this group of hooligans. Because they're waving sticks and hitting balls, and, and someone's got to be, someone's got to be in charge. Someone's got to bring some order to this. But the reality is, is that there are lots of different kinds of coaches. I am, I am a vocal coach. So when I say vocal, that means loud. I'm a loud coach. I will encourage my kids very loudly. I, won't, I don't necessarily scream at them when they're doing something wrong, but I will try and tell them what to do uh, and where to go and where to stand and go over here and you're doing a good job, but I am, I'm loud. I'm really loud. Even if I'm not coaching, I'm watching my kids, I'm loud. I'm in the stands. I still feel like they need to hear my voice, even though they may be a bit shamed and just like, that's not my dad. But that's just the kind of person I am. There's other coaches who are not that way. They just kind of, they sit back and they, they quietly lead. And they're good coaches too. I'm, I'm not saying that they're bad coaches. I'm saying they do things a different way. But as long as there's somebody in charge, as long as there's teaching, as long as they're showing them how to do it and, and do the right things and stand in the right places, then, then I'm, I'm honestly fine with it. 
But those things need to be there. And the reality is, is that that's why you have a coach. You have a coach to tell the kids how to play. (laughs) To show them what to do. To encourage them to do the right things. That's why you have a coach. And that that coach has every right to to do that. Has every authority and every... That's why they're there. And so if you're there, you might as well say those things. You might as well speak those things into their life. And the truth is, church, is that each and every one of you are a bit of a coach to the people around you. That you have this authority that is given from God in in relating to God's word, that you have the word of God inside of you. If you've asked Christ into your heart, then the, the spirit of God is actually in you, dwells in you. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that means that you have the authority to speak life into the people around you. That you don't have to wait for someone to give you permission to speak life and to give people truth and say, you know what, I just believe that this is what God, this is what God wants me to do or I just believe that this is what truth is. That you have that authority. That you are somebody's, in your life, a life coach for somebody and you're thinking to yourself, I am not a coach. I am not qualified. I don't have the authority to speak into someone's life. Yes, you do. You do have the authority by the Spirit of God, and He has empowered us to not just help us to live life, but to speak. To speak life into other people's lives. So we need to understand that we have authority to speak truth into other people's lives. You may think to yourself, well, I don't want to butt into somebody else's life, and maybe they don't think that this is right. Church, we have the truth, right? We have the truth, right? We have the undeniable truth that can save people's lives. Every person on the planet, it applies to every person on the planet. We have this truth. So that means we have the authority to share this truth in a loving and a a Jesus Christ-like manner. But there should be nothing stopping us from doing it. There's nobody who has to touch you on the shoulder to go over the board and say, it's your turn to play. It's your turn to play. It's your turn to play. You have the authority. And the authority was given to us when we started believing on the name of Jesus. And sometimes we look at authority and we think, well, that's the person who's in charge. In reality, you are in charge of, of sharing the gospel, of bringing truth to the people around you. And you have every right to share that truth. First John. It's not, not First John. John chapter 1. Okay? We're going to read all the way through chapter 1 to verse 12 and 13. But once we get to verse 12 and 13, you're just going to, you're going to hear something. It's going to be awesome. I promise. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So the Word that they're talking about is Jesus, talking about Jesus. So when you see that word, word, (laughs) it means Jesus. God created everything through him, that's Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone, to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. So this is where... This is where our authority and Jesus' authority come into the same, get wrapped up together. Because the same verses you just heard about Jesus being the light into the world, having and, and being, things being created through him is the same authority that God now says belongs to us. He says, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of of God. He gave the right to become the children of God. Now, church, you need to understand that this is not a small statement. When, when, when John says this, when he says he gave us, when we believed on him, he gave us the right to become the children of God, that the child or the son or the daughter of the king had just as amount, the same amount of authority that the king had, except for the king. Do you understand that the children answered to the king, but everybody else still had to answer to the children? If you were a prince of the king, you still could command the armies. If you were a princess of the king, you still had the authority to fire the people around you or make changes in your household or you have the authority to do all the things the king had the authority to do as long as you passed it by the king. So when John says that he gave you the right to become the children of God, automatically we reference ourselves into the two little babies who've been around here. Oh great, we get to dribble all, the, all over the floor. We get to cry, we get to poop our pants. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the rights that he has given his sons and daughters that they have just as much authority to speak into the world as Jesus does. Because he is our father. Because God is our father. And he has given us that right. So it's no small thing. He is elevating our level of authority to just above his, to just below his. We can't speak anything but, but through what God's word has to say, through God, what God the Father spoke to Jesus and what speaks to, speaks to us. But we are just that step down. And that's not there to make you get all puffed up and say, well, look at me. But it lets you know that there's a re the reality is, is that you have more influence and more authority and more power in this life than you think you do. He gave them the right to become the children of God. And, and John would have got, listen, John would have upset all of the Jews in that, that I would have heard this statement because, listen, the Jews were very, very uh, proud of the fact that Abraham was their father, that they were the children of God, right? Because they were sons and daughters of Abraham. 
And the sons and daughters of Abraham, that was the father of faith. That was the, that was the, the people that you needed to belong to. It was to the Jewish nation. I mean, the Jews thought to themselves, we got it going on. We are the, we are the sons and the daughters of Abraham. But John blows them all away. He says, this has nothing to do with Abraham. To those who believe on the name of Jesus, he gives them the right to be the sons and daughters of Christ to have the right to be called his children. So the truth is is that John just lays out the playing field and says we all have that authority to be God's sons and daughters. So there's three things about, about having this authority that we have, that we can have into people's lives. And this is how we can speak with power, with confidence. When we talked about confidence and boldness, this is what we're talking about. We have the authority to speak with boldness and say, this is true, this is real. I believe that this is real because that's what Jesus said and he is the father of many nations. He's the father of everybody. The first thing is that we have the authority to build up but not to tear down. That when we speak With God's authority, he gives us this truth, not to tear people down, but to build them up. That's why he gives us the authority. It's not to be a discouraging word, it's to be an encourager. And the moment we start using Christ's authority in our life to bring discouragement or to bring judgment into other people's lives, we are no longer operating under, under the mantle of Christ. We begin to operate under the mantle of shame. Because the moment we start discouraging people, the moment we start ripping people down because we think we know what's true, we are convinced that we know what's true, but instead of encouraging people to do the right thing, what we're, do, we're actually doing is pointing out all the things that other people are doing wrong and making them feel shame. And this is something that Christ does not, does not do. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 10 says this, I'm writing to you before I come, hoping that I won't deal, this is Paul, he's speaking to Corinthians, won't, I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come, for I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, and not to tear you down. Where's Ed? Ed, you went through physical training this week, yeah? Ed went through physical training this week. I don't know what it was like, Pastor Carr, I don't know what it was like, but the only thing when I think about physical training is I think about the, the drill sergeant with the really straight hat who's so mean that you hate them that they get right up into your face and they're like, you better work like a dog, you better get moving, or you're going to come around. That's all I can think of. When I think of drill sergeant, and when I think of that, when I think of physical training, I just think of some guy with a really straight hat who's really mean, who's screaming in my face. You better move your... But the truth is, is that we have, that's this, this is this persona of, sometimes some of us, we have this persona of God that he's a bit of a drill sergeant, that he stands against us, he stands angry at us and saying, you better, you better pick it up here or you're going to get thrown out of camp and you're going you're gonna to sit in the middle, you're going to have to clean out all the tiles with your toothbrush and this is what's going to have to happen. 
You don't cheap up. And this is this view of God, some of that we have. And the problem is, is that if we have that view of God, that is how we will treat everybody else. As Christians, if we have a view of God that he is a drill sergeant who hates us, who thinks we're scum, then that's how we're going to treat the people around us who are not doing what we want them to do. And that is not the authority that's been passed down to us. That is not what God has called us to do. And the reality is, is that when we go into the field, when you go into the field to see the drill sergeants are there to make structure. The drill sergeants are there to make sure that we, we are trained in doing the things that we need to do. But the reality is, is that the drill sergeant does not go into war with the soldiers. Right? No. The drill sergeant is there to instruct the soldiers when they're training. But when it's time to go into war, you want somebody who's with you who's got your back. Because if I went into battle with the drill sergeant, I might push him ahead of me, you know? Like, (laughs) you go first. (laughs) You know? But that's not who Jesus is. That's not who God is in our life, and we can't be that in other people's lives. We can't be the drill sergeant in other people's lives. There are moments of training, and listen, as a father, I have to remind myself over and over again that I cannot be the drill sergeant for my children. Because we are in the midst of battle. Yes, there's moments of structure. Yes, there's moments that I have to say no and you're doing the wrong thing and you've got to go in this direction. But I need to use the authority that I have as a father to build up my children. To show them that they are capable of taking on the world with the help of Jesus. That they have all that they need in order to cope with life because they have Christ. can't say that there hasn't been moments that I haven't slipped into drill sergeant mode. And I have to be careful because I don't want to tear down my kids. And church, you want to be careful that you don't tear down the people around you. That's not the way they're going to receive truth. So when we speak with authority into people's lives, we have to make sure that we build up and not tear down The second thing is we have to realize is that the authority that we have, we're supposed to use that authority and actually not to give it to, not to have it ourselves, but to actually give that authority away. You see, a few hundred years ago, the only people that knew the Bible were a select few because they, they, they were the only ones who could read Latin. They were the only ones who could read the Bible. And so they, 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 used that authority to control the people around them. They didn't try and teach the people around them how to read for themselves. They wanted control. They wanted authority. They wanted power over the people that they were presiding. And so instead of them going directly to God, they had to go through someone else in order to access God. That is not the authority that God has given us. The authority he has given us, he wants us to give that away. My kids, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, had the opportunity, one of the, one of the uh, uh, 
ladies who live two or three doors down um, from our house said, listen, I, I cannot cut my grass. Would your boys be willing to help cut my grass? And I could pay them. And of course, my boys were over the moon about an opportunity to make money. And so, they're think- and so honestly, from, they, they heard about it about two and a half weeks ago, and they just, they just kept bothering. They're just like, dads, have you talked to the lady? Hey, have you talked to the lady? Have you talked to the lady? Because I really want to make some- Have you talked to the lady? And so finally, we talked to the lady, and we go to cut their grass, And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. I am allowing my 11 and 9-year-old to go to someone else's house and use power lawn equipment? Is this the right thing to do? Is this a smart thing for me to do? And so I said to them, I said, look, boys, you have to realize that you're not going to be able to do this by yourself. I am going to have to help you. I'm going to have to help you the first couple of times so that I know that you're going to do it right, and then I'll be able to let you do it by yourselves. The problem is is that I'm not really sure I want to let them do it by themselves. Because sooner or later, I've got to empower my kids to do it themselves. And while it would be a lot easier for me to control my kids for the rest of my life and make sure they did everything exactly the way they should do it, and if they didn't, it'd be like, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and you got to make sure you do this, and you got to make sure you do this. Uh, Dad, I'm like 32. Sooner or later, I've got to empower my kids to do it themselves because the authority that's been given to me is not something that I'm supposed to hold on to and hoard for myself so that I can have control, so that I can have pride, so that I can make sure that everything goes perfect. I have to release them into doing it for themselves. And the truth is, it's the same for us as Christians. When we give truth to people, we have to give them truth and allow them to to respond to that truth all on their own, whether they receive it or whether they don't. When we give truth to people, it's not your job to make sure that they listen to what you said and follow up on them and say, well, did you do it the way I told you to do it? Well, how come you didn't do it the way I told you to do it? Because the way that I told you to do it is the right way to do it. You should do it this way the next time that you do it. We're supposed to give the authority away. Some people are going to take it and some people won't. We can't control that. We can't control people's lives. That's not what the authority, that's not the power, that's not the truth that God has given to us. He's given us that authority to impart it to others. It's not about you knowing everything. It's about sharing all that you know. That way it's not about you. Because once I tell you, now you know too. Now it's not me, I have a little secret, I know something you don't know. Now you know what I know. And I'm giving you the, po- the chance to be smarter than me. Well, that's what I have to do for my kids. That's what we have to do for the people around us. We have to make sure that we're not trying to control their lives. That's not why God has given us the authority. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 12 says, By my power I will make my people strong, and by my authority... They will go wherever they wish. 
Jesus called us, Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus called us 12 disciples together, and he gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. If Jesus wanted all the power and authority to himself, he could have just done that himself. Right? Well, I'm not going to show these disciples how to do this cool thing. I'm going to do it. That way, people will look at me. Even Jesus was doling out his authority because he wanted his disciples to know that this authority, this power was not just for him. It's for everyone. Even in Romans 13, God speaks about authorities. And he says, these authorities, I'm not going to read all the scripture, he said, these authorities I've put in place, that God has put the people who are in charge of you in place. And you're just like, well, that's horrible because I hate the person who's in charge of me. How can that be God? Well, God understands the world more than you do because his plan is greater than your plan. His ways are higher than your ways. And it's not Honestly, your life is not all about you getting whatever you want. <sighs> it is about you learning the right way to live. That's what it is about. Last thing we have to realize is that authority is a privilege and not a right. It is a privilege and not a right. You see, if you want a license of any sort, you usually have to take a test, right? If you want a license, you gotta take a test. Some sort of test. Some tests are harder than others. Uh, in order to get your driver's license, you're gonna have to take a test. And you, apparently you're, around, you're allowed to get way more wrong on the test than you ever could if you're taking a driver's test. Like, I don't know how many you can get wrong, but I remember it was like four wrong for me. I think it's like eight wrong now. For, is it three? So I'm totally wrong about that. Thanks, Nina. <laughs> Appreciate it. And so the reality is, is that for any license, you've got to be able to take a test. No, it's good. I need to be corrected. We all need to be able to take a test. If, if, if you have a license, you need, to, you need to take a test. They don't just give a, like, there's, there's some sort of reading, some sort of research that you have to do in order to, to do that. Like, that's just life. That's just the way it is. But the problem is, is that once, once we take that test, once we have that license, once we have that card in our pocket that says we're qualified to be able to say, I know how to do this because I took a test and now I have a license. As we start thinking about ourselves and we start thinking, well, I know how life should go. I know how this should translate. And so now that I know all about this, you have to respect me. And if you say something that I don't agree with, that a lot, a lot of times what happens is, is that we get personally offended. So like John, if I were to come and tell you how to be a carpenter and how do you sand the wood properly? And say, John, listen, I know that's the way you're doing it, but you're all wrong, dude. And John would look at me and be like, you have no right to tell me 
out of sandwood since I've probably done it 10 times in my whole life, and I pretty much do this all the time. So what right do I have to come and question you? What happens is we get all offended when people begin to question us and our authority. You know, sometimes, sometimes the people that we're trying to share the truth with will push back, right? You try and give them truth. You say, you look, I, honestly, look, this is Jesus in my life, and he has something to give to your life. Well, sometimes you'll get a reaction that says, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot if you think that. How could you, how could you believe what you believe? And they, they start to push back. They start to question you. And you think to, and what happens is, is that we get offended. We start to get upset. Well, how could you question me? You're, I mean, you're in the darkness. You don't even understand what's going on. And we start to get offended because they begin to question us. And that authority because the light's turned on for us. Listen, the light's clicked on for us. And so we see the world in a way that, 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 that other people don't. We have this truth and this reality that other people don't have. And we, when sometimes when you give that truth to other people and they push back, we think to ourselves, how could you, but you're missing out on the, you don't even know what to say. And so all of a sudden you start to get mad. You start to get frustrated thinking to yourself, well, you can't question me. Like this is what the truth is. And what we have forgotten is that the truth that we have is a privilege and not a right. Which means the truth that we have doesn't necessarily make you better than the person who's sitting across the seat from you. It doesn't mean that you're better than them or more important than them. It's the reality that the truth that you have is a blessing. It is a truth that God has given to you and we can't wear it like a badge. We can't say to ourselves, well now I, now I am somehow better than you. So that when people push back, we don't get offended. Because it's a privilege to know what we know. It's a blessing to know what we know. And church, any flack that you get in return for that is nothing compared to the destruction of hell that awaits if we don't accept the truth. Any persecution that you may receive in this context about your faith is worth it. Is worth it. And you know what? When Jesus was on the cross and they were mocking him and they were killing him, he could have been offended. He could have been mad at them. But instead, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that is the meekness that Christ calls us to with the authority that he's given us. We know, listen, we know, we know, we know that the truth that we have is true. But it's a privilege to know that truth. And with that privilege comes the expectation to be as Christ was. It's tough to do that. 
when my kids question my authority. When I'm trying to tell my kids what to do and they're just like, why? Why do you want me to do that? What for? Why should I have to do that? Well, I'm your father, that's why. I'm your dad, I get to tell you what to do. Like, this is why I'm a dad, like, come on! Like, my dad told me what to do, now I get to tell you what to do, that's the way it works! I've been waiting years to tell kids what to do! Now you're my kids and you have to do what I say! <laughs> Sorry, I just got a little too... <laughs> kind of stepped into a whole different realm there. But when they start to push back, and I start to get offended, and somehow begin to think that this fatherhood is a right, that I have somehow have a right for my children to serve me, and they better do it, and they better be silent, they better be smiling, and then they better do it some more. The truth is, is that it's a privilege and a blessing. There's no way that I should treat that as my own right. It is a blessing from God. The people that you have around you are a blessing from God. The air that you're breathing is a blessing from God. Praise the Lord. You know the truth. Praise the Lord. You have, you have heard from on high and you have responded. And what a blessing that is. We cannot use that as a way to influence others to do what we want. It's not something we've earned. It's something we've been given. It's an honor to serve Christ. Romans chapter 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have received a spirit that, made, that makes you fearful slaves, but instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are also his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs with God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we are suffering now has nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. We are adopted. We are his children. He has chosen us. He has chosen us. We're his kids. It's not something that we, we're, we're owed. It's not something we've achieved. It's something that's been given to us. And that is how we need to treat the power and the authority and the truth in our lives. I'm going to borrow your keys here for a second. John's keys look like my keys. Have you ever seen my keys? Um, I have more keys than you, John, just so you know. Yeah, and they're heavier than this, and I have all sorts of keys, and this past week, I thought I had lost my keys, and the reason that I have all the keys that I need on one ring is because I don't want to lose my keys, and so I think to myself, 
if I make my key ring really big, it'll be really hard to lose. It didn't really work out this week when I lost my keys. But I did find them. But for the couple of hours that I couldn't find them, I was kind of freaking out. Where are my keys? Because my keys open all the doors that I need. My keys open all the doors that I need in my life. And I need those keys. I need those keys. And the reality is that what the key represents is authority. I have a key for my vehicle, and that's authority. I have to have a license to drive that vehicle, and I own that vehicle, and that, that's the authority that I have. I have this key. I have a key for my door. I have a key for the church, and I have all sorts of other keys that I'm pretty sure open really important places. Otherwise, I wouldn't have that key. And the truth is, is that we all have the key to unlock the truth in other people's lives, that you have the authority. You are a key holder. That you have the authority in people's lives. You have the key. You have the, you have the exact truth that they need to hear in order to receive the gospel of Christ. That's the authority that you have. You have the key. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you have the key. Listen, you do. You have the key to unlock the truth in people's lives. That's the authority that Christ has given to you. He has given you the keys to the kingdom. You're a key holder. You're a coach of the people around you. You have the authority to speak into their lives and give them truth. And as long as we follow in the steps of Christ in, inside of that authority, I'm telling you, you are going to give life. But don't question for one second that you don't have what it takes in order to accomplish the task. You've got the key. You've got it. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. Showing you, walking with you, helping you to do the right thing, helping you to know what to say to the people around you. You have it. You've got His authority. You're His son. You're His daughter. There's no one who can speak against you. As long as you walk under the, the mantle of Jesus, our Christ, the King, then you are untouchable. And I just thought that God wanted you to know that. That you don't have to be afraid. You're not a slave to sin. You're a child of God. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the truth. You have given us 
the authority, Lord God. It's not for us to hold on to. It's not for us to hoard. This is not about us. It is all about you, Lord Jesus. But Lord, I pray that we would not fool ourselves into thinking that we are weak, that we are feeble, that we are somehow an underling in all of this, but rather that we have our Father in heaven as the prime authority in our lives who has given us authority to reach out in life with truth, with boldness. And so, Father, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid. You have not given us a spirit of timidity. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind and of assuredness. That we would not be discouraged, but that we would be empowered knowing that we are your son and we are your daughter and we have the authority of the king pushing us ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Fathers, I pray that you heard the message today and were able to extrapolate appropriately the truth of God's word. And for all the men today, I have a free lock and key for each and every one of you. If you would like control over somebody, here it is. <laughs> Your own lock and key. You want to go where? Oh no. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your lock and key. God bless you. Folks, remember next week we're 10 o'clock at the Baptist Church. Next week we're 10 o'clock at the Baptist Church.
No words, no phrase I could create. There is no melody that I could make. How do you sing about a love so deep without feeling like you missed something? I could try, but I cannot explain. It's kind of love.
Tell you in a short story or poem that all I have is my voice and this guitar, and you have my heart. So 
Just looked up today, realized how far away I am from where you are. You gave me life worth dying for, but between the altar and the door, I bought the life that promised more, and here I go. Chasing healing when I've been made 